the remake was Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 2003. Uh, the final girl in that movie is Aaron uh, Hardesty, played by Jessica Biel. Um, you have the killer in this, uh, played by uh, is Leatherface. Uh, Andrew Minarski plays Leatherface in this one. Uh, he goes by a different name in this one, though. It's it's uh, it's like Thomas Sawyer or something. Like he's got, he's got like a different name than than all the other variations. Well, we know that Bubba is uh, not a real name, so. <laughs> <laughs> that, but that, I think they call him Junior in this movie quite a bit too. So, uh, <clears throat> uh, the victims in this movie we got Pepper, who which uh, which is the hitchhiking tramp. Uh, we have uh, Eric Balfour who plays Kemper, who is kind of the the boyfriend. Uh, you know, uh, to Jessica Biel in this one. Uh, Jonathan Tucker uh, plays Morgan. He's kind of the Franklin stand-in, kind of a weird character that. Uh, kind of annoying. Uh, you feel a little bit more for him than you do for Franklin, uh, but not a whole lot more. And then <clears throat> Mike Vogel, who plays Andy, who's kind of the other uh, person who's, who's really does. I mean, I know it's supposed to be set in the seventies as well, but he, he's all about that free love. Cause they just picked up that uh, hitchhiker and uh, he's going, to, I mean, he's looks like he's been banging her for days on the road. And like, mm-hmm. he just, you know, they don't care about STDs back in those days. I'll just throw it out there. No, it's so. the fucking seventies. <laughs> <laughs> uh which it doesn't matter i mean you might as well uh, uh, uh you know get it while he can considering the events that happen in this movie true um we have the doom prophet in this movie being played by the teenage girl uh <clears throat> she's the the hitchhiker they pick up in this version uh very very disturbing scene like oh, you yeah. can tell she's been brutally like raped you know um blood between her legs it's actually played by Lauren German, uh, who plays the uh, on Lucifer. She yes. plays the uh, blonde-haired detective that detective. he falls in love with. <laughs> That's all you know her as. She doesn't have a name. Yeah. She's called Detective. But I was surprised to see that that was her whenever I was looking up on IMDb. But yeah, now that I actually- think of it, she it obviously I mean looks like her. She didn't change much. She's in her forties now. She looks the same. Uh, she's a lot skinnier now. Oh yeah, uh, she is. Probably not. And then I don't know, like the this is a tangent, but like one of the newer seasons, like I feel like she got super skinny and looked sickly. I don't know what happened to her off she screen. She just. But, I am glad you said that. She got skinnier and skinnier as Lucifer went on. And it looked bad at the end. I mean, not not anything toward her. I just felt like she looked like she was sick. You know. Yeah, um, uh, it's hard to say. Oh, yeah, Hewitt, she's had meat, more, more meat back in the days, and she looked normal. Yeah, well, uh, the Hewitt family, because uh, they're not the Sawyers in this version, uh, we have Jedediah, who's the little child, uh, played by David Dorfman. Uh, Sheriff Hoyt, played by Arlie Ermey, which is the best fucking thing in the movie. Um, old Monty, who's in the wheelchair, played by Terrence Evans. I didn't really care for him. He is not a good... I don't know if he was supposed to be in the stand-in for Drayton, but uh, maybe Hoyt was. I don't know. But, like, old Monty didn't stand out at all to me. Yeah. Uh, Luda May, who plays the matriarch, she's kind of like the grandma instead of the grandpa in this movie. Uh, but she's... They played it a little bit more realistic in the sense that she's, you know, she's not like a pseudo-zombie. She's just kind of like this old bitty that's like, Kill him, Junior, you know, oh, that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, we've got Henrietta, who's the tea, uh, tea lady, but she's also holding the baby that was actually the, the teenage girl's daughter that, that <gasps> yeah. after they, you know, they stole from her after they killed, you know, almost killed her. 
and uh, she's played by Heather Kafka, and then uh, the narrator returning again is John Larroquette. He agreed to come back for the remake and, and do this one. Um, this one's way more serious. Like, oh, there yeah. is some brutal-ass fucking kills in this movie. There is. <laughs> um, there's, uh, I mean, the, the one thing I didn't like about this, though, is that Leatherface, like, works downstairs in this one, like, in a kind of a sub-basement. Yeah. And it's always dripping water down in there. Yeah. I don't, and it's like there's even water on the floor, like, standing, like, a few inches. And I don't understand the point of that. Like... Um, they're supposed to be in Texas still, like you figure it'd be kind of dry ish, you know, like, unless they were in like extreme East Texas, I don't know. It just didn't jive with the movie. I don't, I didn't understand the water point, like what they were trying to get at with that. Leaking pipes are leaking pipes and it makes it look dank and musty. I think it kind of goes with just the grittiness and the griminess of how Texas Chainsaw Massacre is as a film. I guess I just I guess I'm used to like especially if you watch all the other ones they got more of a like super dry like desiccated you yeah. know feel to them versus this one is more like the I hate the I hate to say the word Green but moist yeah. like. moist <laughs> <laughs> and uh, maybe it's because Jessica Bill's in the movie but I'm, but oh, uh, anyways. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, biggest crime of this movie is the fact that she doesn't even get halfway undressed in this movie at all. Like it's, I mean, yes, she has like, you know, this, you know, super t- form fitting like uh jeans and a, and a, you know, tank top. But I mean, uh, I don't even, I, her clothes barely get damaged in the movie. So yeah, that's probably in her contract or something. She probably came right off seventh heaven and is like, I can't do this. I, you know, I can't No, because can't she have got this my image. She got, well, maybe, but <laughs> On the contrary, she got pulled away from Seventh Heaven because she started kind of rebelling and she was posing. I know she posed in like Maxim magazine, like in underwear on a bra. And she started kind That's of. That's true. She did. She did go a How little rogue. How dare you act like a whore in public? You can only do that behind Hollywood parties. Well, she was in a. She was playing like the <laughs> preacher's daughter, literally, in Seventh Heaven. And I think she was slightly wild in Seventh Heaven, but not to the degree. That and Jessica Bill was going, she was growing up, is ultimately what was happening. And they kind of didn't want to allow her to do that publicly. And she was like, fuck you. So she did it. So it's kind of funny that it wasn't long after, it wasn't long after that this movie was made that she, you're right, she is kind of covered up. And I don't know if that was, you know, that it was the director or if it was, I doubt it was her. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things too because they, they don't really, I mean, if they're trying to paint her as the, you know, the traditional virginal, you know, uh, final girl, there are certain scenes in the movie that kind of hint that she's she's pregnant because at the beginning of the movie, she's throwing up. They've just been to, to Mexico. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the whole thing is that they've, they've smuggled some pot across, and that's what Hoyt gets them on is that he finds the pot or whatever. But, um, like, and she's pissed off at him for having it, but, like, it... I think I even read like somewhere that in the un you know uh, unfilmed part of the script that did say that she was you know that she was pregnant with Kemper's child. Yeah. So, um, it's not like she's virginal to begin with. I don't understand why they're you know trying to play that angle that you know in the movie that way. Yeah. Ugh. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like. I feel like in this movie they were kind of trying to be a contrast to the original film, but it's like you're remaking it. You don't have to be a contrast. You don't have to be identical, but do you have to be like the opposite? 
I, I don't know. I mean, th- there are things to the movie, to its credit. I mean, they give a lot more, uh, you know, they give a lot more for Jessica Biel to do as far as, like, her character. She has a lot more agency in the movie. I mean, she she's not like Sally, and she's just, she is running for a good portion of it, but she actually fights back. I mean, especially toward the end of the movie. Um, there's that great scene where she's in the slaughterhouse. She hides in one of the lockers, there's a pig across from her that like spooks Leatherface. He goes over that direction. And then she ha- she actually hacks his entire arm off. Yeah, that's holding the 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 chainsaw with like a meat cleaver, and then runs away. And then she tricks Hoyt, which is the best part, best kill in the movie. She tricks Hoyt into thinking that she's in uh, because the truck driver in this one's a dumbass, and he takes her directly to the the Hewitts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, while he's in there trying to tell him that she sneaks out, she gets in Hoyt's uh, police cruiser. He goes toward the the truck thinking she's still in there. And then whenever he looks up the last second, bam, she just runs over him. Yeah. Backs up, runs over him yes. again and then just books it. You know, that so, definitely was my favorite part. <laughs> oh, and she, and she steals the baby back from him, which yes. is great. Like she, you know, she does that. So they don't like, you know, have the kid. Yeah. Well, that it's to me that's one of the more memorable scenes is that she did save the baby and she's just driving down the road in this vehicle just zooming away with the baby. <laughs> I don't like the, the I, they had a weird thing with the kid though, the Jedediah in this one which is funny because that's the name that he's given in the in Texas Chainsaw 3D so it's kind of confusing or Leatherface is given in that movie so it's kind of weird but um but it's like Jedediah is like the, I don't know if it's because he's mad because that baby they stole is now like the favored child and like he's been kicked out. And so that's the reason he's rebelling against them. But like, they don't really give you a reason why he's turned on the family. Yeah. Like, I never, <laughs> I mean, technically, I don't know. We had multiple instances where it looked like the Sawyers could go good. I shouldn't say multiple, but at least one instance so maybe that was like, I don't know, maybe that was like, hey, here, catch a break, but then other shit happens, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know, but, like, I mean, he's the reason that, that Jessica Bill gets away from Leatherface whenever she's, because, I mean, the catcher, they almost have a scene like they do with Sally where she's around the table and they're, you know, like, torturing her and she's screaming, you know, the matriarch of the family's like, get her out of here, Junior, you know, like get her, you know, get her the fuck out of here and take care of her. He throws her down there in the basement. Uh, she sees that Morgan's still alive, so she pulls him out of there, which is kind of dumb because he's barely moving, like at a certain point, just let the fucker die. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, but she also has to kill um, Andy in that scene, so that's kind of bad. Like he, he begs her because he's on the hook and he's like, just, oh, yeah. He's like, I can't deal with the, the torture anymore. Oh, yeah. That was a and mercy then, kill. Yeah, that's and so, horrific. Like, though, could you imagine having to do that as a person? It, it was a rough scene in the movie. I, I can't even imagine, you know, in real life. I mean, it was. I mean, they did. They did it pretty well. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then she drags Morgan out of there. The dumbest part of the movie, though, is the fact that her and Morgan get away. I mean, with the help of that kid, get out of there. They go to this other little shack somewhere on the Hewitt's property. Yeah. You'll find me here. In various. They hide in various little cubby holes inside this house. And when Leatherface, like, finds uh, Morgan, like, she runs out to help him. But then, and they both, like, between the two of them, they knock him, knock the chainsaw out of his hands. She's still on the ground. She's right beside the chainsaw. But instead of her trying to grab it and do anything with it, uh, she she does some kind of other maneuver, which is completely stupid. He gets the chainsaw 
chainsaw back and then like starts cutting the Morgan. She's like, I'm sorry. And then runs off. I'm like, what was the point? Like, I mean, you, you had the chainsaw right there. Yeah. This is, you know, what was the gain? I mean, if <laughs> it's, it's just one of those, you know, like, you know, we talked about in black Christmas where Jess goes up the stairs, one of the dumbest things. In oh, the movie. Yeah. It's like that. That's the dumb scene in this movie. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Grab the chainsaw. Like, I mean, do you think that if, bad decisions were being made because Morgan was already like really low on life as it is and just not thinking <laughs> properly? I mean, he was, but I mean, she was, I mean, this was her coming in her prime in the movie. This was the point in the movie where oh, okay. she, as the, she was making the turn as the final girl to where she was standing up for oh, herself yeah. and, and she fails like she doesn't do it at that point. And then after, you know, when Morgan's like, she hears him screaming, she gets the fuck out of there and goes to the slaughterhouse. Then she finally, <laughs> you know, stands up and I'm just like, a little too late, you, yeah. you know, done something. <laughs> Way to go. You're the reason that two people died now, at least. Because, I mean, the thing that, that kills me after these movies, I mean, I know Noah's always about, like, you know, a little bit of realism. A chainsaw is a terrible fucking weapon, first it of is, all. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's so many ways it can, you know, turn on you or not function properly. All you have to really, there's a, there's a, quite a few ways that even if you don't want to use that chainsaw yourself to attack Leatherface, you could fucking tip it over or there, there's things you can do to jam it up to where it won't work for him. Like he can't use the fucking thing. Now, he'll probably kill you some other way, but you know, um, at least he doesn't have that fucking chainsaw right at your back. Yeah. Because that fucker can run and he has like an extra, what, two feet in front of him. Yeah. At least yeah. because of the chainsaw <clears throat> length. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, ugh, I don't know. Uh, real quick, because I, I, I didn't, I can't remember. Is this the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I believe there is one, and I believe it's this one, the remake where Jessica Bill's nail or hands are nailed to the chair. Uh, I thought that was a thing. I, I could be wrong. There is a scene in one of these movies where a nail goes through somebody's hand. Yeah, uh, so maybe it's, I don't know if it's this one or if it's another one, but. I watched too many of them. To yeah, remember I know. That that's specific the... one, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, I wanted. I want to. No, actually, I want to say it was in the the next generation where they nail somebody's hand uh, to a table. I but, don't remember uh, watching that, but apparently, I have seen that. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's for what it is. It's actually a very well done remake. I mean, it, it's Leatherface's mask in that one is more like a Frankenstein ish mask. Yeah, it's like very pale, and it's like you know. It's almost got like a Michael Myers quality to it in a weird way, but like not. It doesn't go full on that that route but it's it, it doesn't look quite like real skin either i don't know it's a weird it's a weird one um it's effective but it's just weird um i do but, like uh, the i do like the movie poster i mean it looks kind of cool yeah and uh but arlie ermy just knocks it out of the fucking park in this like he there's a scene where he's interrogating morgan inside the vehicle and like he has the the pistol and then there's some kind of scene in the movie too, where he talks about, you know, is this guy fucking cootie juice all over it? You know, like how he is in all of his movies. Cause yeah. he, you know, cause they say that she pulls it out of her vagina or something. Well, whatever, it looks you know, like it. <laughs> um, but like he, he has him in the back of the vehicle, like reenacting like the scene with her where she blew her brains out, makes him move into the actual brains that are still splattered on the, the you know, the seat 
and uh you know and then he has the shove of the gun all the way back in his mouth and tells him he needs to pull the trigger and like it's a very tense scene like early army like staring him down it's it's i mean it's very well done yeah um going back to the scene though where you know she's pulling the gun and it looks like it's coming from her virginia that scene is so nasty because obviously well obviously we know what happens and everything everything about that is whole crazy but like she's Separating her legs just a little bit. Yes, you see the blood, but you also have sound effects. Yeah, it's bad. It's yeah, <laughs> it's really bad. So it's hard to know. Um, now, if she really was that bad of a victim, um, you know, as they're trying to portray, it would make sense why she had to hide a gun in that area. I don't think she was running, and that gun was just, you know, being held between her thighs. That that wasn't happening. Mm, no. So, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, sometimes they're not just prison wallets, people. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's a prison purse. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess technically she was a prisoner. (laughs) Maybe it's what Buck and Eating Alive was trying to, he was trying to find the other prison wallet and uh, he just couldn't get access to it. Nope. Bet you she wishes she had done that, though, after she was going inside of Niall's mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it said Niall the Crocodile. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, anything else you want to say about the remake? It, it's it's just gritty as fuck. I mean, it's actually a pretty decent remake to the original, although it, it loses. It's very Hollywood. Like, it, the the one big criticism I'd have is, like, most of the characters in the movie, the, the initial starting teenagers, they don't look anything like they stepped out of the 70s. They no, just don't. Not really. Uh, they look like they were 90s teens or 2000s yes. uh, dressing as 70s teens. Uh, I would like to say two things. I had mentioned that, um, you know, it's a memorable scene of Jessica Bill driving away with the baby, and it really much is. But I really liked how at the end when, spoiler alert, the two sheriffs go and check on the house and they end up getting murdered and it just shows his face and it makes it kind of look like it was some kind of documentary, like, you know, this is... Oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. I liked that a lot. So that was the first thing that I wanted to throw out there. Another thing that kind of made me, you know, remember this movie so well. Um, And I also would like to say that I told you so. I told you you were going to like the movie. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, and good night. Really, <laughs> I think the reason I didn't like it at the time was because there were so many shitty remakes that were going on at the time this movie came mm. out. Like I just, you know, I was just like, "Fuck it." Yeah, because uh, you got to remember, I, like I said, I watched Chainsaw quite a bit as a kid, so it it it's it's an easy one to. I mean, it, like for me, just to pass over, it's like you're not going to top that movie as far yeah. as like you know its effect on me because I watched the original. Like and. And the people that grew up with this one and go back and watch the original, they might have the opposite reaction, like, oh, it's so stupid, you know, or whatever. But, I mean, it's when you see the original first, I mean, you can clearly see the Hollywood of this one, even though it's well done. I will give you that. It it is well done. Fair enough, Um, fair enough. Ready for for a bit of trivia about the 1974 version? A bit of trivia? Yeah, well, a a lot of trivia. A chunk of trivia. Sure, (laughs) let's, let's go. Uh, director Toby Hooper claims to have gotten the idea for the film while standing in the hardware section of a crowded store while Christmas shopping. Uh, while thinking of a way to get out through the crowd, he spotted the chainsaws. Wow. <laughs> That's where it came from? That's yeah. where he claims it came from. Quite the inspiration. Look yeah. Like hacked through all these fucking people. I mean, folks, we have <laughs> all thought about that, okay? 
<laughs> Not enough to make a movie about it. I I always dream that, like in any car that I've had, where you have the handle to pull up on the uh, for the e brake, that the little button on the tip is actually a blaster, and I have cannons in the front of my car, and it just shoots the cars in front of me. So you got like a James Bond Prius? Is that what you're trying to say? Exactly. In your mind, hey, least? look it. That's why it's called the Danger Prius. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just, but it's a nice little tie into the holiday we're getting ready to celebrate. So, you know, he was getting ready to do some Christmas shopping and decided he wanted to saw through the other shoppers, at, you know, and so there you go. We've already reviewed a Christmas slasher. <laughs> uh, according to John Larroquette, his payment for doing the opening narration was a marijuana joint. Wow. <laughs> Hell yeah. Cheap. <laughs> That's epic. Hey, he probably... Here's the bad thing. He probably got paid more than some of the actors in the movie that, uh, okay. by just getting the joint. That's oh, how sad this was. All right. Uh, Marilyn Burns, whose character was chased by Leatherface through the undergrowth, actually cut herself on the branches quite badly, so a lot of the blood in her body and clothes is real. Oh, yeah. Now, <laughs> this is the only damage she got during this movie. They couldn't get the prop to work when she was feeding, was supposed to be feeding the blood to Grandpa, so Gunnar Hansen actually cuts her finger in that scene with a razor blade. That's dirty. <laughs> Diabetics were up and coming around that time. I know they had lancets they could use to freaking pop it open. Uh, she was hit with a real wooden broomstick, like I said, yeah. when the scenes were grating and suffered real bruises because of it. Uh, toward the end of the film, her clothes were almost completely stiff from fake blood, and she celebrated when she was told that she could remove them on what she thought was the last day of filming. Uh, however, she got a call the next day that they didn't get oh. the footage they needed, and she would have to come back. So the scene where she's psychotically laughing was her as an individual person saying, fuck this movie. <laughs> oh, my God. So she recorded that after she had gotten the call? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, she specifically said that scene of her psychotically laughing is her having to come back after she thought she was done with this fucking movie. Uh, and and it's and it's ridiculous. Um, another little thing that she hurt herself, I didn't put in the notes, but the, the scene where she jumps through the uh, the window toward the end of the movie and, yeah. like, is getting chased by nubbins and, and yeah, uh, I'm you surprised know, she didn't face. break her leg. Because didn't she jump, uh, from, well, she jumped from a tall window, didn't she? Yeah, the thing is, is that, so she wouldn't have just jumped through the window, which was ground level. Uh, Toby Hooper's like, no, no, your, your stunt double's going to do that. You're not going <laughs> to oh, jump okay. through. So what they did was they dropped her down. Uh, her stunt double jumped through the window, yes, but they dropped her down to get the scene where she dropped on the ground, you know, afterward. They dropped her from nine feet, nine to ten feet above oh, the ground. Most major injuries happen at six feet. Oh, my God. <laughs> She said when she's limping at the end of the movie, it's she was real. really limping. She oh, said yeah. she, she didn't break her foot, but she said she hurt it. <laughs> what the fuck, yeah. dude? Almost all and major like, injuries. And I'm all yelling at Noah. I was like, why the fuck is she running so slow? You better run, bitch. You're going to get chopped up. Yeah, that's wild. Most major injuries happen at six feet. She was young. She's fine. Uh, no. <laughs> did, but did she die? Okay. If she didn't get paid good, we, think we know that much. Well, she didn't know that at no, the time. No, so. she didn't. Got you know you what good, I want to point out real quick is that because you were saying a lot of the blood was hers because of going through the uh, brush and everything. Um, she had a rip on the back of her shirt, which clearly these women in low cut shirts was a thing. They had very gorgeous, sexy backs. So showing them was 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 a good thing in these movies. 
her shirt was ripped completely in the back, but she, I noticed that I had looked multiple times. It's hard not to look at their backs for me anyways. And, um, she had no cuts on her back. So I was like, wow, she made it through that brush with barely any, you know, scrapes you, on that. You know what? I'm surprised there was no titties at all shown for being the movie. Yeah, there's that none it was. in the movie. Yeah. yeah for, but, but for being the movie, it was like in, in the kind of the, the era. You think they could have gone away with something close to it, okay. like side boob? Were you surprised uh, the, the, or were you disappointed? I was surprised. <laughs> so here's a little bit of trivia since we're on this subject for you, Noah. While they uh, were filming the scenes toward the end of the movie where she's like, you know, uh, you know, she's there at the dinner table. She's all like, you know, got the gag in her mouth and like, you know, she's strapped to the chair with the hands or whatever on it. The, they were still writing parts of the script because that's how this thing was done. Like they Hell were literally yeah. writing the script on the day. See their pants. All of the, all of the male writers, uh, with the act, the male actors included, were trying their damnedest to find a reason to get her topless <laughs> around that time. In wow. The movie. It was like um, a, John it was Dugan a major thing about it. He said, he said everybody was in love with Marilyn at that point in the movie because th- this was a trial by fire movie for everybody. There's this six the guys the- crunching the numbers. How can yeah. we justify some titties? <laughs> well, she had some nice knockers. She wasn't wearing a bra at all. They probably spent like a good four <laughs> days in, in like a dark room trying to make this happen on paper and like, fuck. You know the real reason why they didn't? Toby Hooper insisted that this movie uh, uh, be submitted as a PG movie. Uh, what? Wow. How? There was no blood in the movie, and he deliberately made it that way, or little blood, and, there, and all the scenes he cuts away right before you actually see the violence, and he thought he could get a PG rating out of this movie, and the censors, the fuck you are, you're yeah. getting a, a hard R and X, and that's I bet the best he, we're going to give you. I bet he regrets. God damn it, if I'd known that, I would have shown some fucking titties. A hard R and no titties. You know, it's a lesson learned. You get the titties first, and whether or not you use them is up to you. But you get that hard um, R, you're going to show some titties. Now, this is skipping ahead a little bit, but the actress Carolyn Williams, uh, who played Stretch in part two, said that, uh, you know, she, after watching X and seeing all the influences from, you know, Toby Hooper that's in Ty West, you know, X movie and all the pornography that they worked into that, she said that if Toby Hooper had realized what he could have gotten away with, you know, you know, after if, if X was a kind of a thing that he would have played, he would have totally put all kinds of tits throughout his movie and, yeah. and probably even full on sex scenes. Cause she said, Toby Hooper was the kind of guy who would do that. He just, you know, at the time didn't do it. <laughs> Fucking Toby. <laughs> so, so there you go, Noah, you, uh, this isn't the only instance where we'll get denied, uh, boobies that were, you know, or tit shots that we should have got, uh, wait till we talk about 3d. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I've already mentioned the soundtrack was made using strange instruments at Toby Hooper's home. Um, Gunnar Hansen originally turned down the role of Leatherface due to the sheer brutality of the plot. He was then persuaded to take the role by Marilyn Burns, who was friends with him at the time. She showed him titties. Uh, Hooper actually wanted him as soon as he saw him to cross through the door because he filled most of the door frame owing to his imposing size. Yeah. This guy's big and retarded. We should <laughs> totally get him. <laughs> Uh, they first hired another actor for the part, but uh, that actor got drunk at the start of production, holed up in his motel room, and refused to come out. Hooper just happened to, uh, you know, walk by Hanson one day while they were in town and ask him if he would take over the part, which Hanson at that point agreed to. So, wow. oh, so he wasn't even an actor. 
uh, he was, and he tried for the part, but they had already filled the part with a, another actor's role, with another actor, and then that actor just refused to do the part. Damn. So, <laughs> I wonder what kind of regrets uh, he had later in life. <laughs> uh, Leatherface wore three different masks: the Killing Mask, uh, Old Lady Mask, and Pretty Woman Mask. Uh, Hanson con- walking down the <laughs> street. <laughs> Pretty woman mask. <laughs> of all the people I've ate. Um, Gunnar Hansen commented, the reason he wore a mask, according to Toby and Kim, was the mask really determined his personality. Oh, okay. Uh, who, he wanted to, who he wanted to be the day that he determined or was determined by the mask he put on. So when Drayton comes home with Sally, Leatherface is wearing old lady mask, and he's wearing an apron and carrying a wooden spoon. He wants to be domestic, helpful in the kitchen. At dinner, he wears a pretty or a different face, the pretty woman which has the makeup uh, that consists of a female wig and a black suit as Leatherface is dressing up for dinner and old deep South tradition, which stems from his Southern upbringing and the killing mask is a skin mask. He wears while chasing and murdering his captives. <laughs> what mask did he wear when he spent the time with daddy at night? Uh. <laughs> What's well, funny because you put that woman's mask to on. talk about how Leatherface was actually the bitch of the family. He was the one that was made to do all the, the feminine duties in the family. So, Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh, Hanson later added the idea of the mask is that there's no personality under it. Um, that was the idea in talking with Toby and Kim, whenever they created the character, they said he has to put on mask to express himself because he himself can't do it. The way he tried to create him, there was nothing under the mask, which is what makes him so frightening. Yeah. Uh, Toby Hooper allowed Gunner Hanson to develop Leatherface as he saw fit, but under his supervision, Hanson decided that Leatherface was mentally handicapped and never learned to talk properly so he went to the school for the mentally handicapped and watched how they moved and listened to them talk to get a feel for the character uh he also tried his best to make his portrayal as non-offensive as he could many fans including those who were mentally handicapped say he succeeded wow even the uh, retards there, loved them it's good. <laughs> there are he didn't go full retard guys yes. he, he just went the right amount you did a good job um, you went retard but you went full retard you gotta be like <laughs> you gotta be like like Rain Man, you're retarded, but you're smart. Uh, there were lines of gibberish written in the script for Leatherface. Toby Hooper would sit with Gunnar Hansen and tell him what the lines meant, and the actor had to figure out a way to say that without actually speaking. In the scene where the old man comes home and starts yelling at Leatherface about the door, Hansen remembers a take where he communicated a little too verbally. Hooper told him there is no, there's too much intelligence in the character, and the shot was redone. <laughs> My one chance to have a line, says Hansen. Aww. You're at an 80 IQ. We need you at a 10. Yeah. <laughs> He's cranked us down. <laughs> I could understand you in that one. Make it dumber. <laughs> in an interview, Gunnar Hansen stated that he saw Leatherface is completely under the control of his family. He'll do whatever they tell him to do. Oh, He's a little bit afraid of them. In the documentary, The Shocking Truth, the director Toby Hooper portrays Leatherface as a big baby who kills in self-defense because he feels threatened. And that is clearly seen that oh, scene yeah. right oh, yeah. the window. That, I think that gets conveyed actually pretty good in the movie. <laughs> Uh, his role as Leatherface marked the first and only time that Gunnar Hansen shaved off his beard. He never shaved it again. Wow. <laughs> uh, he wore three-inch heels so that he was taller than the rest of the cast, which caused him to hit his head on doorways and other objects several times during the shoot. Like actual uh, heels mask- or shoes that are just taller? Uh, they, they were, they were cowboys type boots with very slick soles and, and like three inch heels. Okay. (laughs) 
the mask also severely limited his peripheral vision. He remembers the first take when he is carrying Terry uh, McMahon and knocking himself out cold after hitting the door frame to his workshop. Toby Hooper jokes it made a great sound effect, though. Damn. <laughs> so he was literally carrying her and then just hit his head on the doorway and got knocked out cold while he was doing that. Oh, my God. Uh Everybody got hurt on this set. Mm. Uh, the slick sold boots and heels made it hard to turn quickly. And in the <laughs> scene where he's chasing Marilyn Burns through the trees, he actually slips and falls, and the still running chainsaw landed inches from his body. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Even in his lift boots, Gunnar Hansen could run faster than Marilyn Burns, so he had to do random things when chasing her through the woods. You'll notice in one head on shot that he starts slicing up tree branches in the background for no apparent reason. Yeah. So that's the reason why. He decided to do. There needed to be some pruning. This is growing yeah. way in advance. Well, he, is, get he, he is two birds. Guys. Yeah, like two birds, one stone. Uh, throughout production, Gunnar Hansen would ask Toby Hooper how he was going to get the shot of Leatherface getting hit in the head with a wrench and slicing into his own leg. Hooper would respond that they would eventually figure it out since it was one of the last shots of the movie. I realized what he meant was, if you're killed, we've got the movie in the can. Said Hansen. For the shot, Hanson had a metal plate on his leg, but the heat of the chainsaw hitting it caused him to think he had been directly hit. Uh, it was it, basically when he describes it, it was it was so it hit with such force, even though he had that little metal piece on his leg, and it and it started burning through the metal so much that he actually felt like it was digging into his skin. He actually thought that it cut into his leg. Mm. Um, it also didn't help that they had a blood bag placed over the metal, and so when he put his hand there because when he puts his hand in the movie to that leg, that's actually him freaking out. Like that's not just Leatherface, That's him. Oh, that's awesome. And then when he, and when he comes away with the blood on his hand, that made him think too, that he'd cut his own self with it. That could have been bad. (laughs) He put his hand right in the goddamn chainsaw. (laughs) Um, after getting the age old or the old age makeup, uh, John Dugan uh, decided he did never he never wanted to go through the process again. Meaning that all the scenes with him had to be filmed in the same session before he could take the makeup off. This entire process took about thirty six hours, five of which to put the makeup on during a brutal summer heat wave where the average temperature was over a hundred degrees. With a large portion of it spent filming the dinner scene with him wearing a heavy suit and a necktie, sitting in a room filled with dead animals and rotting food with no air conditioning or electric fans. Now, this gets worse, people. Um, The 110-degree Texas heat plus the filming lights meant all the food on the table quickly rotted. The room's poor ventilation made the reek even worse, raising it to genuinely health-threatening levels. Uh, filming for 27 straight hours led to several actors suffering genuine sanity slippage and taking Toby Hooper's direction as meaning they were really were their characters. And Gunnar Hansen says this. He said whenever he was told to hurt Sally, he he was so far gone from heat exhaustion and everything else, he's like, okay, I got to hurt. I mean, like he was in the mindset to actually hurt her. Like his mind was gone at that point. Um, uh, Not exactly the result you want when most of them are playing cannibalistic murderers. Uh, and, and Gunnar Hansen said he, in the commentary that he genuinely wanted to kill Marilyn Burns for a few seconds after wow. he was ordered to do it by one of his brothers. Wow. <laughs> Fuck that. Uh, everyone later recalled that the stench from the rotting food and people's body odor was so terrible that some crew members passed out or became sick <laughs> from the smell. And many of the actors have said they would go outside and vomit only to come back in and finish recording. Um, Toby or, uh, Gunnar Hansen stunk like 
absolute uh, the worst thing ever in the movie even uh, on top of the rotting food because they only had one outfit for him oh. and it was a 30-day shoot and 110 degree weather and they couldn't wash it because they were afraid if they washed the outfit that it would change the colors of the outfit and they couldn't go back and, and the continuity would be off so he wore the same sweat covered outfit for 27 fucking straight days in this movie nobody thought about rubbing the inside of the shirt with fucking deodorant they didn't do anything. That was just, I oh, mean, my it was, God. So oh, my God. 30 day, 100 degree stank all over him. Oh, dude. Yep. <laughs> um, and and get this. So the lady, the, the dead animals that were in there that I mentioned earlier, the lady who was in charge of that, she was keep to keep them from literally exploding from, you know, all the festering, you know, uh, gases and everything else that were in them was injecting them with formaldehyde. And one of the times whenever the dog that they had was getting ready to uh, go super bad on them, she went to go inject it with the formaldehyde. It popped through the dog's leg into her own leg, and she got a tiny bit of formaldehyde herself from the injection. How close was she that a needle that you're poking through a dead dog's leg? Oh, that is disgusting. That's nasty. Okay, she's a vet, right? No, she she was just a production designer. She knew a veterinarian. She, how stupid are you? Oh my god! Um, so she was freaking out about that. Uh, the dog got so rancid they had to do something with it. They took it outside, and when no and and Toby Hooper's bright decision was that he was going to cremate it. He just set fire to it. So uh, they had this the stench of a burning dead dog that they did with on top of everything that had else. formaldehyde in it. So it probably was somewhat of an explosion when that happened. No, from out yeah, is not they, really. They, they said it was real bad. <laughs> people who they say that people who are getting cremated that want to have the whole, you know, um, be drained of. Well, they're supposed to be drained of blood, but that want to go through the whole process of formaldehyde and everything because they do, and it's like you can't do that. But people ask, and I guess you have to respect the wishes of the dead. When they go into the incinerator, they fucking explode. It's an explosion. It it is it flammable. <laughs> I'm kind of curious. I don't know personally. I mean, but I there's no reason why you would want to introduce that chemical on top of everything else if you're yeah. trying to just, you know. But he, it was just a regular fire anyways, and I think uh, cremation fires have to get even hotter than that to try yeah. to burn through the bone, and that's part of the problem. So they literally were just burning the flesh, which was already rancid to begin yeah. with. So well, just, just imagine this set. You've got all these people who can't take – I mean, because Marilyn Burns' outfit, the reason she was covered in that Cairo syrup so thick was because she had two outfits. They went to wash one of them. Somebody stole it the day that they uh, – from the dry – or from the washing <laughs> machines, and so they only had one left that – or actually they went and bought a set to finish out the rest of the movie so they could she couldn't change her clothes either after someone stole that ripped up outfit from the from the laundry mat yeah dirty pervy production guy (laughs) just sniffing the crotch the whole time (laughs) so they they've got these people in 100 degree weather there's no fans uh you're amongst all this rotted food and and they're here for 27 straight hours in this massive heat uh just you know dealing with all this nastiness I, I God, I can't even. It, they they were in literal hell filming this movie. <laughs> That's all there is to it. Um, Edwin Neal, who played the hitchhiker, claimed filming that scene was the worst time of my life, and and had and I'd been in Vietnam with people trying to kill me. So I guess that shows how bad it was. Uh, he said that he might kill Toby Hooper if he ever saw him again. Wow. <laughs> Damn. 
Uh, a funny thing about him, though, that character that he plays, uh, Nubbins, the hitchhiker, he Nubbins? actually based that character off of his paranoid schizophrenic nephew. Wow. So all those mannerisms he, he took from his nephew, that's kind of scary. Um, surprisingly, this film is the least bloody horror film of all time. This is because Toby Hooper intended to make it a PG rating <laughs> by keeping violence moderate, language mild, excluding nudity entirely, and having most of the horror implied off screen. However, this plan uh, actually backfired and made the film even more horrifying because despite cutting and repeated submissions, the rating board insisted on an X rating and it wasn't until the film received the R rating when when Hooper gave up and released it. Uh, Hooper had similar uh, ratings problems with the sequel. <laughs> Shit. Uh, and actually, it didn't get uh, British approval. They, they outright refused to even allow it to be shown until like the late 90s. Oh, in, wow. In, in Europe. Yeah. Uh, they, they deemed it like, they said it was so awful that, that it was like actual threat to morale, morality and stuff over in, in Europe. So there you go. Uh, one of Toby Hooper's techniques for making the film more intense was cutting a small number of frames off of the shot preceding something violent occurring. Uh, the small beat catches the viewer off guard as their eyes have become accustomed to certain shots being a specific length. Uh, cinematographer Daniel Pearl also mentioned a misdirection trick uh, Hooper would use, which was having something on the left side of the frame and then cutting the leather face on the right. Um, so, but it, all all the violence is pretty much implied in this movie. They let your mind finish out the rest of it, which is very effective, by the way. It's um, actually kind of the reason why I hate how how much they go into the the graphicness of it in Terrifier Two, just because it gets a little stupid at a point, like when you show too much of it. You know, I'm surprised after after they gave him the R rating, he, I'm surprised he didn't go back and try to reshoot scenes with blood or something like that. Well, it's the same thing that we talked about with the Frighteners because Peter Jackson says he wished he would have made that movie more violent and because they they kicked him up to like a, a R rating because there was bullet holes in one of the doors, and that's literally the thing that they wouldn't let go. <laughs> bullet holes <laughs> in the door. Was, yeah. And uh, he said that he would have went back. He said if he'd had the time and went went over, you know, production, you know, cost or whatever, he would have went back and added that, you know, the violence back into the movie that he would have preferred to have there to begin with. But, uh, you know, but he was trying to keep it to where it would get like a PG-13 or below rating. You can't deal with these uh, ratings crews. There's there's something else. Well, especially um, back then, too. Yeah, well, you had so many, yeah. like, Cisco and Ebert were, like, the big gatekeepers that would rally the, the public on their behalf. Yeah, especially like they did on Silent Night, Deadly Night, and got it to where it was completely removed from theaters for, like, years or whatever. Uh, the film's original di uh, distributor was Bryanston Distribution Company, which turned out to be a mafia front operated by Louis Perino, whose nickname was Butchie. So... Toby Hooper went into business with a guy named Butchie Perino. So that right there should tell you that he wasn't too smart when it came to this sort of thing. Bought it a booby. Uh, what's that? I said bought it a booby. <laughs> uh, Perino, uh, or Perino used the movie to launder profits he made from Deep Throat in 72. Uh, in return, the production received only enough money to reimburse the investors and pay the cast and crew $405 a piece. Fuck. The movie and this is gross. After they, were, they were guaranteed points. See, they a lot of them forwent their actual earnings on the while the movie was going because they knew the movie was going over budget and they weren't going to get paid. 
Um, and so they were like, okay, that's fine. Just give me points on the back end. Cause they thought that the movie might do decently and it did gangbusters, but they only got like a fraction of a fraction of a, you know, a percentage because the, you know, the company that Toby Hooper originally, uh, sold them the percentage points off of, he had to sell out to Bryanston and Bryanston, you know, only paid them like a pittance off of that. Okay. So wait, he lied about. About okay, so they were only paid four hundred and five a piece. Yes. Okay, this was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Okay, I wasn't sure if we were talking about Deep Throat. I wanted to clarify. No, this was Chainsaw. Yeah. Okay. Holy shit! That's a um, gangbusters movie, and you get paid a fucking pocket change. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that. Now, granted, they were originally promised about three hundred dollars a piece, but they, but whenever production started going under and they couldn't even get the three hundred, that's when Hooper said, "If you will keep filming this for me, I will give you points on the back end, which will give you significantly more than the three hundred. Well, yeah. that significantly more was one hundred five dollars. I wonder if you ever went back and tried to honor something to them people. Uh, to this, uh, according to the documentary, they did not. Like, and the producers wow. are still pissed to this day. <laughs> They actually went on to try to sue Perino um, uh, over it. Good luck with that. Um, well, the thing was, and this is what this says: after they they tried to sue him, but then after he, but then he was arrested later because of obscenity charges uh, with regard to Deep Throat, and uh, then then that whole company went bankrupt, and so they didn't, you know, they couldn't sue anybody at that point. Yeah, but what about selling the movie to like VHS, uh, DVD, and all those other sales? That the rights at that point were still owned by Brinston, uh, because here's what here's what Hooper did. Like he, him, and Hinkle, I think, owned a, their own company. They formed their own company called Vortex. That's where they sold the the points to, or you know, whenever the percentage points to all the people on the cast and crew when they couldn't pay them. They's like, okay, Vortex as a company will give you so much percentage of the back end when we sell this movie. Well, whenever they sold the movie, they ran into more production, uh, you know, cost or whatever. So they ended up having to sell even their own shares of Vortex off to Bryanston. So they didn't even own the company they originally promised this from. God damn. <laughs> okay, there's a part um, here, though, that says um, that after he was arrested for obscenity charges and deep throat, uh, the cast and crew filed suit against him and they were awarded 25000 each. Uh, I mean, guess that's not compared to what they probably could have made. That's yeah. I mean, that's better than nothing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, uh, I mean, they, you're talking about like, I mean, if you were guaranteed like, so like, you know, I don't know, just even a percent off of 30 million, that's, that's still in nine that too. But does does that even, I'm pretty sure that 25 grand doesn't include what they got to pay the lawyer. So they're probably didn't probably get the whole 25 grand. Yeah, that that was a class action lawsuit, so they would have probably had to, uh, you know, paid out a pretty penny just to even get to that point. Um, and that was only paid to them, I think, because New Line took it over and they yeah. agreed to do it, to, you know, as part of a, a a make good to get the, you know, to get everybody on board with them whenever because they were when they bought it. That's when. Uh, Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 came out because they were going to take it that they at the time they thought that uh, Freddy's you know stuff was over with it was like early 90s and so they were trying to transition to another horror type thing and so they saw the Chainsaw you know franchise is one they could move into so that's that's the only reason they agreed to do any of that stuff yeah 
Um, Paul Partain, who played Franklin, was afraid that if he ever went out of character, he would be he wouldn't he would never be able to tap into the char- the whiny ass character again. His words, by the way, he he actually hated the character himself. Uh, this caused the entire crew to shun him and actually hate working with him. Wow. Uh, Gunnar Hansen says he was happy to kill Partain's character because it meant that was the end of his days on the set. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Like, oh, Maryland, I'm sorry, there was an accident with the chainsaw. It actually cut his neck off. See, that would have been a good-ass scene if they had, like, a prop dummy. And, they, and he just got to go ham on that thing. That's not how you get a PG rating, Noah. Yeah, and he didn't get a PG rating. <laughs> yeah, but uh, th- Maryland, that's the biggest mistake is that. Just, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, Marilyn Burns said that she wasn't acting in the scenes where she's visibly disgusted when she has to talk to Franklin, her brother. Those scenes where she's like rolling her eyes, she's actually rolling her eyes. She's not acting one bit. She hated him that much. It doesn't seem like they were <laughs> acting, so. Yeah, everybody seemed like they hated his ass. Toby Hooper's biggest mistakes was not actually getting the scenes uh, because you can get the scene and cut away from it. But had he gotten the scenes, he would have had a lot he could have included and 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 basically deserved that R rating. That would have been so satisfying if you just took the chainsaw and cut through him in the wheelchair, then kicked it to the side. Yeah, <laughs> it, it would have been a lot better. Um, and then rounding out the trivia, according to Edwin Neal uh, or Nubbins, the Texas Nubbins. State Troopers uh, actually shook his hand and thanked him for causing crime to drop eighteen <gasps> percent. Apparently, the message audiences took away from this movie was "Don't pitch up, don't pick up hitchhikers." And that actually decreased crime by almost 20% by doing that. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Good job, Nubbins. You done did good, sir. They should have spun that for the movie. This is a PSA movie is yeah. what this is. <laughs> well, it really, I mean, it is the movie that, that when people, that and the Hitcher that came later with Rutger Howard, it's like people watch those movies like, yeah, yeah, I'm not. Not not dealing with hitchhikers anymore. I don't care who they are. It's, it's not that, but like common sense tells you don't don't go around. Don't be a hitchhiker and don't pick up hitchhikers. Like people yeah. over here, you're taking a giant gamble. But it was a thing back in like the '60s. It was like in the '70s where you just—I mean—up until the time this movie came out, where like it, you were considered a bad person if you didn't offer to pick them up. Uh, did my my dad hitchhiked from New York all the way to California? <laughs> And he survived. And he survived. Um, and his name was John Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> Reverend, do you ever yeah. see people attempting hip- hitchhiking up in where your area is? Yes. Okay, so you do say, <laughs> have you noticed it's making kind of a comeback in a, as we see more homeless people? Because I know out here in California, I'm seeing a fucking lot of it now. Or people attempting to hitchhike is what I should say. Yeah, I can't. I don't uh, see anybody ever stop and pick them up though. They're like fuck that. No, no, no. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I've seen enough movies to know this doesn't end my favor. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it was more back in the nineties. I saw it than I do now. Like oh. I, I see more panhandlers than I, now yeah. than I you know do anything else. Like yeah. it's like oh stranded, need some money for it's like. Okay, dude, really? I mean, you that jacket you got on looks pretty expensive, you know, so. You know what the wild part <laughs> I don't get about, like, panhandlers nowadays? It's like, no one really carries cash anymore. Like, I don't know how that works out. 
uh, you can Venmo them. Some of them have Venmo. Yeah, you have a phone. Yeah. You're doing better than I thought. You don't need any money. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, there was one time, and I posted this on my Facebook a couple years ago. It was the one time I almost picked up a hitchhiker, and there was this guy. I am not joking. I put this on my children. He was creepy looking as fuck. He definitely could have been in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He could have been Nevins. He could have been any of the brothers. <laughs> Um, he, there was something not right with this guy, but he had the fluffiest, most gorgeous, pristine looking Pomeranian in his hands. Like and he had kidnapped that puppy. this is how women die. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, look at that puppy. It was so cute. It was, th- this Would guy. You, did you pull over and say, well, your dog, where's your dog going? Yes. I should have. Just put him in the seat. No, I'll take him. It was when we're getting on from Antelope getting on to 80. So it was that weird. He was on. He wasn't on the freeway, but he was on the grassy area that the entrance to the freeway. Horrible area. People can't pull over right there. Um, so you know how many women probably thought the same thing you thought? Oh, God. All of them. How many women? How many women didn't? That would be an easier number. Oh, my God. But see, it was so weird because, like I said, he looked like a monster. He looked something was wrong with this guy. It was This guy was not right, okay? But this dog looked like it had definitely been kidnapped from some rich woman. And every guy is like, get the fuck away, you creepy fuck. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> and I was like, do I? Do I? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's why ted bundy was able to be so yes, successful it was 100 shit like that yeah ted bundy was good looking according to women i don't his car was a fucking giant red flag <laughs> beat up volkswagen beetle that should have been like get the fuck out of dodge he was he was but he was good looking according to the women so that's the thing. he's cute his car's a little rundown and, and it, it smells like corpses well and he was also wasn't he like <laughs> Wasn't he also super, super smart, too? He was very intellectual. He's a really good speaker. Like, he did public speaking and everything. He was just like, he they had said a, he, Of all the, the serial killer types, like, he could actually go up to a person and actually be charming, which is yes. kind of a weird one, for, you know. Yeah, and that's very uncommon, so I don't know. Um, I don't personally, I never seen a photo, and I was like, oh, he looks like he was good looking back in the day. I don't know. That's just me, though. <laughs> but put a puppy in his arms. No, I'm just kidding. I bet if you look at if you look at statistics about when, people that pick up hitchhiker, hitchhikers, I bet it's overwhelmingly women picking up hitchhikers. Well, unless it's a guy trying to kill somebody. Well, there's that, but I was also going to argue I could see like over the road truckers picking up like you know women, you know, with the implication being you know ass gas or grass, you know nobody you know rides for free, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but, but truckers the back in the, I can think of. But truckers back in the day were tough dudes. They 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 used to do a lot of the stuff themselves, and it's a, it was it was a different breed of a person compared to truck drivers nowadays. So you pick up pick up a truck driver back in the day, man, tough motherfucker. <laughs> well, and then some of them now are running rigs where their wives are like the, are riding with them, so uh, <laughs> they probably can't get by with that shit. Yeah, we ain't stopping for no lot lizards. Who the fuck is that bitch? <laughs> Get, we're not going to this gas station. Go to the next one. Don't pick She's up a the whore. Covered in blood. You get the fuck out of here. I don't care if she's being chased by a guy in a, in a human, you know, skin mask. It's a that, trap. Don't fall for it. Yeah. Ooh, that one has a dog. Let's get him. Oh, look at the doggy. <laughs> uh, are you all ready for the the awards for this episode? Yeah, let's hand out some awards. Uh, so final girl rating. Oh, uh, we got, hold on. Are we, we get, are, are we talking about the second one at all? Uh, uh, we, next episode. Uh, we're going to talk about it in the next episode. We're going to give it its own, own due. So. 
Sally or Aaron for the final goal rating. That that reverend is a tough one for me. I mean, it it is, but it isn't. Uh, Instinctual, instinct, instinctively. There we go. I would like to go for uh, Sally because every, it was just she was just more realistic. She looked like she was really getting killed in this movie. Or be, she kind of was. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, and, that, that's the brunette. Uh, no, Sally is the, the blonde that was oh. at the end of the movie that okay, was like okay. all psychotic. Yeah. And then Aaron's Jessica Bill from the remake. Yeah. Okay. Um, and like, I mean, like I said, I liked the remake, but it, 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 it looks like you said, it's very Hollywood. These actors, they kind of know how to act. I, it didn't feel like these actors were acting in the original and she is, it doesn't is feel like the they're original. hanging out in hundred degree weather. Yeah, their shit just destroyed, and no one cares. I mean, I think that I think that the elements that were around them, I think it really fucked with them. Like they they were going through some shit, and it was showing. So it's gonna it's gonna be Sally for me. I think for me, it's it's Sally as well, just because I mean, even if she doesn't quote unquote like turn the tables on Leatherface or Nubbins toward the end of the movie. You know, Aaron does some stupid shit right before she does turn the tables. And, like, I do appreciate her kill on Hoyt, but, like, you know, the way that she took him out. But at the same time, it it just there, – there's too much sincerity to what Sally, you know, brought brought to the table. So I, I got to give it to her. Yeah. Um, killer rating, Leatherface, do you prefer the 74 version or the two, 2003 version of him? It's going to be the 74 for me because he came off like a killer but also didn't, whereas 2003 came off as just as a killer and had There was left... no subtlety to the 2003 one at all. He's just yeah. a mindless killer. That's it. Yeah, and there was, I don't know, like that's scary, but there's something scary about, I don't know, uh, a menti- mentally handicapped child ultimately that has no control over anything in its life he has retarded monkey strength and he has a chainsaw yeah and can <laughs> run in hills true. i'm sorry but 2003 yeah. did not run in that hills. big boy outran the little girl with the chainsaw in his hand yeah in hills that's embarrassing <laughs> women everywhere just we should put shame. him in, we should put him in the track meets <laughs> he's a tranny put your mask on bob I just I, I think too there there's a lot of things that Gunnar Hansen himself as an actor brought to the the you know little subtle things like that gives you sympathy a little bit for the seventy four version which I did not get like he's just a straight up like you 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 feel creeped out or scared by him in the two thousand three version yeah Narski's just like more of a force of nature in that movie he's not really like empathetic at all um, best mask the seventy four version of two thousand three I'm gonna Ooh. let you guys go first. That's hard. That's a tough one. Because you're, you're comparing modern FX makeup to shoestring budget of the 70s. Uh, the the 70s, just it looks like human skin. Like, I don't know what they did to make it look that way. But for me, it's that it's got it's probably going to top them for all of the movies in the entire chain of the movies that are, you know, all the yeah. franchise period, just because it looks more realistic. Knowing Toby Hooper, it was human skin. It probably was, yeah. Off of a fat lady's ass. Let's <laughs> go dig up a corpse. It's free. And we're going to just rip that off and we'll tan it and the, sew it The together. corpses at the beginning of the movie, the faces ripped off. 
That was the, the that was the face. The funny thing about that was the the production designer, the guy who designed the mask and and you know actually made all that equipment or you know all the like little bone like furniture and all that that mm-hmm. you were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, he got really mad because they he, there was a dead horse that was like along the side of the road as they were like driving you know along in the van and he wanted them to pull over and like film it and they they's like no we can't do that that like, look you know we we don't get that close and it's probably gross not realizing later yeah. that literally filming right next to dead animals a bunch that of- were getting ready to explode <laughs> but uh, and he said that he he basically called him a bunch of pussies and said that he wished that, uh, that they went ahead and filmed it. Cause he said, that's like, it was like a gift from the, the film gods that you have like a movie like this and you've got a dead horse out of yeah. nowhere that, you know, but, uh, <laughs> they did end up filming a dead armadillo that like, you know, they found or whatever. So that's yeah. why it's in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> oh my God. Well, for me, it's going to be, I, I, I hate to derail. It's going to be the 2003. It's the one that's most memorable to me. I don't know why it stuck with me. It, it is. It's a kind of a scarier one. Yeah, I, I will agree with you. I mean, it stands out that way. I mean, they're both equally horrifying, but I don't know something about that 2003 one. Maybe it was the color that they used when in the filming, like the color schemes. Uh, something just I don't know. I don't know for the FX budget they had on the original. I I gotta go with that mask. This yeah. is the fact that you guys had you guys made do with what you had. It always seems like the people that make do with what they have end up with a better quality product, even though they didn't have the capital to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. To, they have to stretch more to to make sure that things that work out for them that way. Um, best kill, um, two thousand three for me. That one's the easier one because just watching Aaron run yeah. over Sheriff Hoyt over that, and that, over, I, over and over again. Just love it. Oh uh, yeah. I don't know in seventy. I guess Franklin just because yeah. watching that some <laughs> bitch die. Like I mean, it was the everybody wanted it to happen so yeah it's gonna have to be franklin because he well, again because he was so annoying but i am gonna have to give a close second to pam getting hooked that uh, that the, scene is the scene that gets most people in the movie yeah um she's sitting there in this awkward kind of pain where she's in pain but she can't keep moving and it looks like it's really happening um kudos to that one man and that wasn't even a kill that was more of a you know, getting ready to kill. I don't know. The dude getting rolled by the truck was like the one they showed, like the actual kill kill they showed. Yeah. That was pretty good, man. They got plowed by that truck. I was like, damn. Here, here's you some trivia for that. So there was an extended scene they never filled with nubbins, like right after that, nubbins. where they like zoom, they were supposed to zoom in on his body and like show like the damage that he took after that truck ran over him. They had him, it was 110 degrees. Oh, God. They had him laying on asphalt Ooh. with his face against the ground, and he said he could actually hear his skin sizzling Sizzling. as he was filming that. Oh, no, no, no. And it never got put in the movie. It never got put in the movie. Yeah. I don't want a rated R. I want to go for a PG. Okay. Yeah, that's going to fly. I just cooked my face on the asphalt for no reason. Thank you. Yeah. You think they would have went back after they got the rating and just dropped that bad boy in there then? Fine. Here. (laughs) um let's see best scream uh it has to be sally but i mean between the two of them all together she just you know like you said it was more natural well i I very specifically it was sally the second time she jumped out of the window because i feel like she jumped out of the window twice um she did she jumped out of the upstairs window first and then like you know and then so it was the second time she jumped out 
Uh, and she's screaming just like a maniac with her tongue wailing side to side and everything just running slow. She's like running like she's in fucking uh, quicksand. Um, that was it for me. I was like, she. this is the most realistic scream ever. She sounds terrible. You have a different opinion on that, Noah, or are you pretty uh, uh, okay with Sally getting? Yeah, I thought she, <laughs> it, it just felt more tangible from the first one. I mean, there were some scenes that were kind of to be desired, but for the most part, like the pace, the pacing and everything and just the character, her character in it, just, it feels more like a realistic scenario. Okay. What about the scream though? Yeah, that's a, no. that ties into That's a big part of it. It progresses. Her scream progresses. It goes from being a normal scream to being some, I've been through some it's- shit. It's yeah, it's a psychotic scream toward the end of it for yeah. sure, and and it's probably after the, all that, having to smell Gunner Hansen, having to you know <laughs> like the heat. I mean, it, it all you know. Uh, worst scream definitely is two thousand three, Aaron, right after the teenage girl kills herself because you you I, I know you didn't watch this recently, but if you watch that movie, like it is the most lame duck scream for what she i mean you you've seen this girl you see the setup for her you see that something clearly bad has happened to her she blows her fucking brains out right in front of you and it's like it's not i mean it's it's more like a "Ah," yeah you know like it it barely gets any register at all like i remember just phoning it in yeah that's exactly what it was which is weird um i remember at the time thinking the first time i had seen the film that like it was like maybe she was like not believing that this had really happened you know, and that's the only explanation I could come up with. You know, that I, now that I'm thinking about that scene is that that woman had been through some shit. But how f- fucked up are you in the head? Not saying as a person, maybe as a person that you didn't even stay alive to try to save your baby. Like you just been rescued. It's your here's your only chance to let authorities know Holy shit, my baby is in there, and she fucking kills herself. Yeah, she just gave up. Like, yeah, I mean, it was it was almost like she was playing, the, you know, like what Sally could have been from the first movie after everything that happened to her. Like, yeah, uh, that's almost the vibe I got from her was that she was uh, the quote unquote final girl that that you know happened into the frame that just that couldn't yeah. take it and just offed herself. Yeah, definitely. Um, also. Um, why, why did she wait till she got rescued to kill herself? So weird. I, I don't know. I mean, it was I all, it's I very effective for starting Typical that Typical woman just looking for attention. I guess so. <laughs> Are you filming? Watch it's, this. It's, it's just like the, uh, hmm. the mother from, uh, Alice, sweet Alice. She had to walk in front of everybody and let them know that she'd cut her wrist, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Uh, the best side character, hands down, it's the Black Maria truck driver. That dude, like, uh, wherever you're at, dude, you're still running. Peace. I, 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 you got all my respect. Just um, you beat. Yeah, <laughs> no. Beat out of there. For me, it's the chicken. <laughs> really? Sorry. I said well, what I said. I'm curious. I don't know if this guy would qualify as it because he's kind of part of the main plot. It, it'd be like the... The brother who runs the shop. 
Yeah, I, I almost want to give like because especially with part two, like it, it there's there's not really many side characters that we'll have to discuss, and I almost want to give like the family members the option or you know like of being you know considered side character. So I would accept that because Drayton is definitely he you know, nailed he, that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he nailed that. How <laughs> insane the logic was of the character. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Honorary, and this is the only time that I'll probably do this unless mm. another character is this bad. Honorary worst character, Franklin. He he wins the award. Uh, just I would I would give Morgan that, but he's slightly better as a person. So you know he it doesn't quite win that. What, what was what was I'm curious what the guy had to say about the movie. Like, did anybody ever talk to him post production? Are you talking about the guy who played Franklin? Yeah, the guy in the wheelchair. He, uh, well, they, they have, I mean, they talked to him in interviews. He, he enjoyed making the movie. Uh, he realized that he hated the character just as much as everybody else, but he knew that he had to play him as a whiny piece of shit. So that's why he stuck with the character the way he did. Um, he said that, uh, he was one of the people that they were trying to, you know, not pay him like, you know, uh, so that scene where he gets like dumped out of his wheelchair and tumbles down into a ditch or whatever, that was the very last scene that he filmed. It wasn't actually getting sawed, but it was that scene. Mm -hmm. And he was in a dispute with him. He, you know, they owed him $300. He had a bill coming up. He, they, they, they said, well, if you forego the, you know, whatever, we'll pay you percentage points. He said, I no. He's like, you know, he, he was even being a whitey bitch that way. He's like, you're going to pay me. And then he went to his agent and he got him to fight on his behalf. And he said that when you see him falling down that hill, he actually had that check in his pocket no. for the $300, uh, you know, as he was tumbling down the hill or whatever. But that was, uh, he was a little bitch right down to the last minute. So. Damn. I mean, hey, <laughs> he did deserve to get paid, to be fair. You know? He did. He um, did. He did his time. He's, he's, he sold his character. He's... He, what, the goal he was shooting for his character got nailed. Yeah, he hundred percent. Yeah. Um, also, he's technically a doom prophet. Uh, he well, he might be. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, we have to skip over best boobs because there were none in either one of the movies, and I was highly disappointed that at least the new one didn't have boobs. I mean, my husband uh, seemed to be enjoying stuff popping out through the shirt. He's like, "Ooh, it looks like it's cold out there." And then I she wasn't hit him, wearing a bra. And then I hit him with a frying pan, and he fell asleep. So, um. How annoying is the Doom Prophet? Well, now the 2003 Doom Prophet is actually the the hitchhiker girl that they pick up, and yeah. she is very disturbing and tragic. She's yes. not annoying at all. Like, oh, yeah. But she's the one that tells them, she's like, you're going to die. And she actually sets him up to die because if it wasn't for her, they wouldn't have had to stop and try to, you know, find the sheriff. So she's actually the reason. That, oh, just yeah. like most Doom Prophets, she leads to their doom. Oh, yeah. Um, in 74, there's not really a Doom Prophet in the movie. Uh, the funny thing was, watching it again, you could say that drunk that they see whenever they go to the, the graveyard to kind of find, see if their grandpa was like one of the, you know, corpses that had been disturbed. Mm -hmm. There's that drunk guy that's laying next to Franklin, and he's sitting there, and he says some kind of, you know, kind of creepy line that says something like, those who smile are the ones who are laughing or the ones that know the truth or something. I, I would um, almost say that Stubbs is a Doom Prophet. Stubbs? Nubbins? Nubbins, my oh. name. In a weird, the fucked up that, way. Well, here, here's the thing, though. If you go back and watch it, Drayton is actually the Doom Prophet because he tells those kids specifically. They start saying, oh, well, yeah. he's asking them. He's like, where are you going? And and this is when he's being nice. This is because you said that he's very good at playing, you know, a mix of, like, different, you know, uh, mental, you know, capacities or whatever. But, like, 
uh, he, they, he, he's being nice at that point. And he's just asking them, he's like, where are you going? And they're like, well, or, you know, or, you know, grandpa's house is over there. And he tells them, he's like, you don't want to stop at no rundown houses around here. That's a good way to get killed or get hurt. Yeah. You're going to get hurt. He tells them specifically. And look what they do. <laughs> I got some delicious barbecue here. <laughs> yeah. He's like, won't you come in here and eat some folks? I mean, uh, <laughs> eat with some folks. <laughs> oh, fuck. But he is the one that tells him not to go to that house. So and he is sure, technically the yeah. prophet. Yeah. Well, how would you know? Experience. I saw <laughs> I saw Franklin worried about the sign that was on their um on their on the side of their van and be like, You don't think he's gonna come for us? He ain't gonna come for us. Are you gonna come for us? Like <laughs> them damn Dracula's gonna come right after us, I'm telling you what. <laughs> I tell you what. You know what I was telling Noah that one of the things that I say out here, and I don't know, I, I know I got it from my 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 mom's side of the family, the, the Spaniards, but they're from Texas. Um, Spaniards from Texas, that don't make any kind of sense. But anyways. Um, it makes as much sense as a, uh, a Mexican in, uh, you know, uh, uh, Pilgrim Times. Uh, that like is true. Wednesday. But anyways. <laughs> um, but one of the things I heard them say in this, and I was like, oh, my God, I say this all the time, is what can I do you for? And I said, like, is that a is that a Texas thing? That sounds like a Texas thing. What yes. can I do you for? It's like, how can I help you? You know, I don't know. Yeah. And I and I didn't. I've never really heard a lot of Californians say that. My husband doesn't say it. So I guess that's part of the the weird random Texas that I have in me. I, it has to be because that's not even a thing from around here. So around I mean, these like here parts, <laughs> from around these parts, that's not what we say. We, we we typically say how can I help you? You got that E at the end of it. Yeah, <laughs> and we're not we're not we're not talking about Kanye either. So, anyways, um, so yeah, the Doom Patrol is kind of hard to keep track of in, in the yeah. first movie. I, it, there's so many people. Like I would give Nubbins too. Like Noah was saying, like he technically is warning them. I mean, because he has that whole thing where he sets fire to. I mean, he does have that one scene. He sets fire to the photograph of uh, Franklin and he tells him, he's like, you're going to somebody, you're going to pay for this or, you know, bad things are going to happen. And so he does technically serve as a doom prophet too. Yeah. Goddamn kind warning a, signs all over the place. Signs, <laughs> signs, everywhere signs. Fucking hippies. And the family, the family was the one giving them the warning signs. Yeah. yeah. Get the fuck away yeah. from our house. We're going to butcher then, you. You yeah. might want to bell. <laughs> it's like, we've got a retarded brother. Don't go in the house with him. Don't go there. And they're like, doop -de doop <laughs> But to be fair, he was telling them that there was no gas. Uh, there's no phones. And he's like, just just wait here. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's warning them. He could have just, he could have had a way to contact, you know, the boys, Nubbins and, uh, and Bubba. Hey, Nubbins he, and Bubba. <laughs> we got some of them here folk right here. Some city folk. <laughs> We got meals on we wheels. Some, we got some prime meat waiting for you over here. This Franklin, he's a chubby bastard. It's nice and tender. It's nice and tender. He's been sitting down all day long. Oh, it's my like, God. It's like veal. It don't have any tough meat. <laughs> Y'all horrible. Toby Hooper would have appreciated that comedy. <laughs> Uh, dumbest decision, uh, 2003, Aaron not picking up the chainsaw when Morgan steps up the defender. Uh, it's, it's the dumbest scene in that movie. Like, oh, yeah. uh, I can't really, th the, other than the, well, Kurt going inside the house. Now that's pretty fucking stupid, but I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's not the dumbest thing I've seen in a horror movie. I but. think picking up the hitchhiker was the dumbest decision. No, going in the house. Okay. Let's examine 
the time error <laughs> and what the fuck they did. You're in Texas, and you're going to a random person's fucking house. You're lucky you didn't got to, you're lucky you got chainsawed, not shot in the face. Okay, wait. Yeah, are they bit. are they from Texas? Are they from any or like are they from a different state? No, Does I'm talking about Franklin. Franklin 100% was from Texas because okay. he even had the accent. Yeah, that's true. But but like just knowing like you've been driving through Texas, stopping at different places, you get an idea how the people operate there and you went into some random fucking person's house. You got you got what you deserved, motherfucker. <laughs> I, I can't disagree. I mean, I felt actually I had sympathy for Leatherface when he's he's like, where the fuck are these people coming from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. It's the goddamn county. <laughs> we ain't paying them property taxes. They're on the property. I think I'm another just... dumb decision was them going to the old house. I don't think that so much was about because if they would have stayed there, they probably technically would have been fine. At that they would have been fine if they'd stayed at the house. Yeah. Correct. They didn't have no gas though. Yeah, but going to a neighbor's house That's and walking into what? What the fuck are you doing? When there's generators running, gasoline. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> oh, dude, so many bad decisions. Oh well, is there anything else we want to add to this episode? Are we ready to uh, wrap it up for this one? We're ready to wrap it up. Unfortunately, I lost the audio for the uh, for the second Texas. Uh, Chainsaw Massacre. I could probably pull it up real quick. I'll just have to edit it out of this uh, this audio. Texas Toast oh, 2. Wow. That's that's fine, whatever you need to do. Okay, hold on. Let me pull it up real quick. I guess we'll just screw the outro music because I done fucked that up. <laughs> you know, that'd be the name of a good horror movie. Are you going to apply that later? Yeah. Texas Toast. Hold on, let's find this. Oh, there it goes. Okay. Tell, tell me that wouldn't be the what name of a good one? horror movie. A, a horror movie named Texas Toast. Texas Toast. Shut up. That's a good. <laughs> it's hot as fuck in Texas. It, it just, it was somebody goes around setting fire to people. Is that what the movie's about? I don't know, but the name would be, it, it's a nice catchy name. You just have to figure out the something. The plot of the movie. Yeah. Leaving people <laughs> out in the heat in Texas. Something like that. There's something you can do with that. Oh, yeah, like uh, uh, bury them up to their neck or whatever in sand or something and Ooh. leave them out there to... Just yeah. roast. Good old Texas toast. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good idea. I'm going to slap the both of you. What? 